Hey fam, before we get to the episode, I want to tell you about another podcast I think you're going to love. It's called Murderish. Hi, I'm Jamie, host of Murderish, a true crime podcast that provides a 3D look at gripping murder cases from beginning to end. You'll get to know the victims and perpetrators, how their worlds collided, and what went down during trial. I also share some of my own personal experiences, like the time a stranger came into my bedroom at night. Yeah, that really happened, and I walk you through all the details of that terrifying night. Have you ever wanted to be a fly on the wall during a murder trial? You'll get that opportunity on Murderish, as I share my experience being a jury foreman on a first-degree murder trial. Search Murderish in your favorite podcatcher app, hit subscribe, and start binging. And remember, listening to this podcast doesn't make you a murderer, it just means you're murder-ish. Why do you love Domino's so much? Why do you think I love you so much? (laughs) Because you're trash and trash loves trash. (laughs) I like things that are warm and easy. (laughs) Guilty as charged! (laughs) Hi, Ellen Marsh! I feel like we've done nothing, but there are weeks that I feel like we haven't recorded in a year, and I feel like we've recorded four episodes a day for the last two months. We got a lot of catching up to do. It's been a busy summer. I took one week off in four years. I've been paying the price. Paying the price. You guys, if you want more Ellen and me, join us on the Patreon. Tell them how many full ad-free bonus episodes they get every month. They're going to get three. Uh, I don't know how many we have now. We probably have (laughs) over 20. But then you get our once-a-month true crime OWD, Patricia and Ellen, Sasquatch and Sharon, Sasquatch? Sasquatch? Sasquatch and Sharon trivia night. We always have a special guest, a special guest host to come in from the true crime world or otherwise to come and entertain you. Wait, tell the people, what's your favorite bonus episode on the Patreon that we've done so far. Well, we're ending our time with See No Evil oh, really, really soon. See I know. No Evil is so good. It's, it's, so it's one good. of my favorite shows of all time. I know. I loved the Sasha episode. Oh, uh, she was the real estate agent with the flip-flops. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only reason you remember is because of her <laughs> flip-flops. It's very cute when you try and remember yeah, things about yeah, our podcast. Yeah. But it's really fun, and I love it, and I can't wait for our next series. Yes. Oh, my God. You guys, I almost forgot. Come see us live in Nashville August 4th. We're playing Zany's Comedy. Comedy Club. Our 7 o'clock show is sold out. There's a 9.15, girl. We're selling out everywhere. <laughs> I didn't even know we were doing a 9.15, but great. <laughs> Can't wait. I'll be there. I heard Sharon Bag of Bones is parking outside and doing her own show. Did you see that in the with, Facebook group? With her Dodge Dart? Yeah, she's yeah. driving her Dodge Dart all the way <laughs> to Nashville. I don't know what's going to happen, you guys. There's going to be a heap lot of crazy, and I can't wait to squeeze your faces. <laughs> All right, you guys. Season five, episode five. Sorry, can I just ask one question before we jump in? Please. How do you spell phonetically? You guys. You guys. Yeah. Can you I spell think it? N y y y y y y n n n n n n n n n n n u u u u u u g u y s. Okay. Because there's a lot of people with varying and many many different opinions on the on the spelling. So I just wanted to get clarified. Okay. Thank you. No, thank you. I no. think that clears a lot of things up for yeah, people. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. No, please bring all your brilliant questions. <laughs> Season five, episode five. Daddy's girl tells the story of the disappearance of Dennis Day. A young, dedicated mother of two turns her life around after a troubled past. She was back in control of her life. She was on top of the world. But after leaving work one day, 
she is never seen again. He called me and he said, Carrie, Dennis didn't come home last night. Do you know where she is? I knew something was wrong. Just something was wrong. An investigation begins that is problematic from the start. I thought that he was kind of trying to keep certain facts from coming up. For investigators, frustration takes over. It was a loss. I mean, that was the closest I think we came up to that point, to a confession. And a family is left wondering if they will ever see justice. Okay, before we get started, can I just say, I thought it was D-A-N-N-I-S. No, it's D-A-N-I-C-E. Isn't that Denise? Great question. I don't know, but my spell check insisted on it being dentist. <laughs> From here on, true. I had to correct it 700 times uh-huh, in my uh-huh. notes. So, yeah. you know, it's anybody's guess. I know it's cold in here, girl, but I'm already hot. Ellen is always complaining about the air-conditioned pod. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to, everyone pull over. Yeah. Ellen jumped into the podcast game, yeah. not in like a sweaty basement or living room, like 99% of podcasters. Yeah, you Ellen, walked so I could run. Yeah, Continue. Yeah, yeah. Ellen jumped into the podcast game in this like state-of-the-art, beautiful air-conditioned yeah. podcast studio. She's done nothing but complain about it. Yeah. Nothing. Is there more to the story. Yeah, no, that's it. Just the ungratefulness. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just trying to think yeah. back real quickly at the point yeah. today when I asked for your opinion. Okay. Do you remember? <laughs> or no? I can't. Did I say it? Anyway, it's Christmas Day 2001. 19-year-old Dennis Day is back home in Laramie. We have a very strong connection to Laramie. Tell them really fast. A lot of listeners might not know. Yeah, I wrote a book a long time ago called The Whole World Was Watching, Living in the Light of Matthew Shepard. It's the biography of his best friend who's a character in a play called The Laramie Project. Which I was in with our dear friends from the Hamilton Peeps. Yeah, so we did a benefit reading of The Laramie Project yes. with Ellen when the book came out. Well, to more benefit importantly, with the, Romaine. With Romaine, who the, the book is about, who was Matthew's best friend. Anyway, the point of the story is... Directed by Tommy Kale, who went on to direct a little musical number called Hamilton. Uh, I, I wish it luck. Is that uh, off Broadway? Good luck with that. Good you know luck. what I mean? I yeah. wish everybody luck with their projects. But as soon as they said Laramie, my ears I went. Know. <laughs> that was pretty much Patrick's life for like two years. Was yeah. researching Laramie, Wyoming, That's and like so crazy. being in love with Tommy Kale because he's skinny and has curly hair. Anyway, it's Christmas Day, two thousand one, and nineteen-year-old Dennis Day is back in her hometown of Laramie, Wyoming to celebrate the holidays with her mother, two sisters, and their extended family. We hadn't seen each other in a long time, and uh, she gave wonderful hugs. They lasted minutes and minutes. I am two things. I am hyperbolic, and I am a hugger. Yes, that's true. You can say both of those things. Minutes? I know. If you guys actually sit there and count to 120, yeah. that's two minutes. No, that's, that's that, no, no. Be, be silent for five seconds. Ready? Yep. She hugged for a minute. That's a long hug. That's a long hug. That's so long long hug. hug. I love hugs, but she not hugging me for minutes, sis. Okay? But we learned that this holiday is special because it's sort of like a a coming together for this family that's had a a hard time. Dennis is fresh out of rehab. She's brought home her daughter and her boyfriend, Victor. You know, Dennis had a cocaine problem. Her mother, who's with us, had a meth and alcohol problem. 
problem. They both were in rehab. So, yeah, you know, I gotta say this right off the bat. We get the structure of this family, and basically they've had a turbulent 10 years, and we'll yeah. go into a little bit why in a second, but Mama Jonine makes one of the most, like, accountable, yes. really honest statements yes. I've ever heard on this show. And also just so tragic and terrible. She literally says, I was a terrible mother. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. She's here to own her shit. Would she go to the Patrick Hines school having a conversation? I mean, truly. <laughs> I mean, this woman is therapized. Yeah. Okay. After Dennis's dad and I broke up, our whole family just imploded. I was a terrible mother. I got into the meth and alcohol and she could be gone with her friends for days at a time. I wouldn't leave enough food in the house for them to eat. You know, I spent money that we didn't have. I'd quit jobs that we needed. She didn't have any supervision from me. She said like that they didn't have enough money. She kept quitting jobs, yeah. getting jobs and quitting them. So this family, this Christmas was very special because everyone has sort of worked through their addictions. They've been in rehab. They've been in therapy. And it's yeah. kind of like a beautiful day for the family. But we find out that Dana, like even through all of that, like managed to get good grades. I had a friend like this in high school whose parents were suffering from addiction as well. And like she had to live on her own when she was 16 years old and like got straight A's. Mm. So like Dana's is an amazing kid. She's a writer. She gets a poem published in a local literary I magazine. Know. I was like, yeah, Laramie. I was thrilled to find out that Laramie had a literary magazine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it did sort of take a toll on her because at 16, she gets pregnant and it is unplanned. Yes, yes. And I just said, oh my God, at 16. But, you know, the dad swoops in and he's like, look, I have a lot of guilt for like the rest of the show you're going to find out in this episode. But we did the best we could whenever anybody says that. That always just kills me. And he says, we swooped in. I brought her down to Colorado to live with me. And, you know, I was like, you're going to have the kid here. And and he really helped her out. Like, the dad was really invested in her having a life. So he, like, really supported her, like, going out and being with her friends and helping to take care of the kid. So a year later, she meets a man. Now, no spoilers here. This piece of trash called Victor Braun. Oh, ah, sorry. Sorry. I, yeah. I apologize. I didn't mean to. Did I give it away? Yeah, well, I you know, you gave it away, but maybe I don't know what happens. Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, he's just a piece of actual smelly yeah. garbage that you find on the side of the road. Yeah. Is that... Well, I... you live in Jersey, so, like, I feel like that happens more there than in other places. Mm-hmm. Say know? more about that. Um, You live in a... you. <laughs> no, we have too many listeners from New Jersey. You're trying to get me killed. <laughs> I'm not falling for it. A year later, at a party on the outskirts of town, Dennis meets a young man named Victor Braun. With the Victor, he kind of seemed like everything you wanted in a guy. He had his own house, he had his own vehicles, he worked, he was very charming, he was fun. Dennis starts to spend a lot of time at Victor's house, which he shares with his father, Vern Braun, a local mechanic and used car dealer. He had his own house, he had his own car, he had a job. I said, this sounds like prerequisites to yeah. me. You know what I mean? Listen, you aim low, you're never disappointed. Right. You know what I mean? And look, you don't have to have a house and a car. I get like not everybody has those things, but I also don't feel like that's not the things. What about like, was he nice? Yeah. Did he compliment her? Yeah. Did he make her feel better about herself? Did he keep his hands to himself? Right. Does he have a criminal record? I don't know. But I do love that you are at the stage of doing background checks on anybody that you date. Oh, I cross ref. <laughs> I 
make calls. Do you? Oh, yeah. I don't have time. No, yeah. If I am giving you two hours of my time yeah. for drinks, some conversation, like, and a little laying on top of me, I'm going to do my due diligence. I feel like one year in court at the end of two different relationships, uh-huh. so a total of two years in court, yeah. it's enough time in court. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I'd be like, let's, let's do what we can to avoid that going forward. You know? So anyway. <laughs> Victor and Dennis start dating, and six months into their relationship, Dennis gets pregnant again. They say she's pregnant with his child. I went, well, it's her kid, too. What if they were like, he's pregnant with her armadillo? <laughs> but the party life she is living with Victor is not compatible with being a mother, and Dennis becomes addicted to cocaine. Hoping to stop her addiction before it's too late, her family talks Dennis into going to rehab. I just laid it on the line and said, Dennis, you need, you need some help. And she didn't argue. I said, okay, when? I said, right now. After a month in treatment, Dennis seems to emerge a new person. So she goes for a month, and then Christopher says that she emerges a new person. And yeah. I just wanted to pitch something to you, if you don't sure. mind. Sure. Is that something you'd like to look into? <laughs> I know you don't do drugs or anything yeah. like that, yeah. but you could just like go in and emerge a different person. What would you like me to come out as? Why don't let's go down this rabbit hole of crazy? Uh-huh. How how can I change to suit you? Quiet okay. and nice. Okay, just those two things. You understand that if in that case everyone would switch off this podcast. Everyone's here for me to be screaming and being mean to you. Let's try it. <laughs> let's try it and see what happens. Let's be crazy one day. You guys, one day you're gonna get a bonus episode. That's just me being like, Ellen, what a lovely personality. Two downloads. (laughs) What did we go wrong? So she's out of rehab. She gets her own apartment, and she totally loves having her own apartment. Who doesn't? Hey, you're going to live alone forever. You like it, right? I have said... First of all, if I ever do want to couple with someone again in my life, which is probably not ever going to (laughs) happen, if someone said to me, do you want to live together? I would say I would rather kick a sleeping bear. (laughs) Okay? You guys, what is that? Look, it was a weird enough choice for Ellen and I to go hiking in the woods together. Where is she going? Hold on one second. He asked me to go bed with him. Is she going to kick that sleeping bear? One of the high points of her new life is getting an apartment of her own in Monte Vista. That apartment was freedom to her. It was, it was her home. It's mine. She'd tell me, it's, it's my apartment. While maintaining her apartment, Dennis continues to spend some nights at Victor's home. But she confides to her dad that lately she prefers her own place to staying at Victor's. She was back in control of her life. Victor's not here, by the way. Yeah, I yeah. just noticed it. It always is about fifteen minutes in that I'm like, oh, yeah. The boyfriend's not, not here. here. What's it's that not mean? Here. It's not here. It's not here. And Dennis confides in Papa Rob and was like, "Hey, Dad, can I tell you a secret?" He's like, "Sure, baby. You can tell me anything." She's like, "I like living alone." And I was like, "Dennis, me too." So now it's January 9th, 2002, and this is the night she goes missing, and we find out that she works at a place called Dos Rios. I am obsessed with this place, and do you want to know why? Because we meet the two Rios, and there's Dos of them. So that's why! 
right. But the, the thing about it is that I thought it was like, oh, Two Rivers Mexican restaurant. And the sign on the, for the restaurant is a river. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Two Rivers, that's cute. But then we meet eventually Mr. Rios and then Mrs. Rios, who own and run the place, Dos Rios. That's called a double entendre. <laughs> I'm here. I, I'm here to collectively like, help you in your life. Thank yeah. you so much. I was like, that is clever. So three days after, Danis leaves her shift at Dos Rios and her dad's phone rings and he sees it's Danis' cell phone. He's excited to talk to her. He answers it. It's not her. It was Danis' cell, but it was Victor. And he asked me if I'd seen Danis. I said, well, no, she talked to her a couple of days ago, but she's probably at work. I said, no. They hadn't seen her at work. I said, what? You know, I knew something was wrong. It just something was wrong. If someone were to call me on your phone, yeah. I would have so many questions. Exactly. And the dad just says, like, right away, I haven't seen her, and I knew something was really wrong. Yeah, and they immediately file a missing persons report. They start to call the family, and they fly her. I mean, they're not messing around in Laramie, Wyoming. I know. <laughs> so dad drives by the apartment. She's not there. He says nothing is out of place. And then it's January 14th, 2002. It's five days after Dennis was last seen. And an investigation is launched. To which I said, five days? Yeah. What were you doing for the first four? Well, they, the family was like, we got it. We got flyers. <laughs> we made calls. But they say the sheriffs spend the next few days checking Dennis's credit card and cell phone records. Phew! How long does it take to go through this? Oh, oh, suddenly you're on their side. Okay. No, I'm no, not tell on me their what si- that face is implying. It's just the South. Okay. I'm going to get so many Are you're DMs. You're saying Wyoming is the South? Colorado's the South girl. Wait. <laughs> Wyoming's in the middle. Sure, not the South. But they have a lot of cowboys there. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's and, northern, it's northern Canada. And I don't, you know what I mean? And it's the territory. They talk like they're from the South in the episode. Yeah. So that's confusing, number one. And number two, just so you know, you don't have to go back uh-huh. to the Jameson family episode. Yeah. Cowboys are real. I know. I know. No but one needs to rewind. Like, hey, Jim, let's go through the cell phone bills real slow. Yeah. <laughs> let's go page at a time. We'll do a page a day. And then next week, we're going to do the credit card page a day. Okay? I'm going to go on to page two. No, 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 no. Please, sit down. I don't want you to throw your back out. Sit down. They then go out to Victor and his father's auto body shop to interview them. Sheriff Brian Norton would later be brought on to the investigation. I was told that Victor Braun said that after she got home, they put the kids to sleep, and she said that she was going to leave and go out with friends. He wanted to know who she was going with. She said that she didn't want to tell him. She walked out, and he looked out the window and seen her get in a car and leave. So Brian Norton is the officer, detective. He will become the sheriff. He is the down bitch of the episode. Yeah. And he is here to tell us everything that he has done. So by Victor's account, we learn that she had told him that she wanted to go out and see friends. According to Victor. Yes, according to Victor. Not the, not one of the male down bitches of the episode. No, absolutely not. And everyone then for the next couple minutes is sort of like qualifying this story by saying, oh, maybe she needed a couple days away. Yeah. You know, she's got kids. You know, she's trying to do 
deal with her sobriety. And then they drop this little nugget that I always love. And Uh they say it's not uncommon for her to disappear for a few days and just stay at a friend's house. But no, here's the thing. The story takes place in the very early 2000s, like 2001, 2002. I don't remember. Maybe that was more common back then in like the pre-everyone-has-cell-phones-is-texting-all-the-time days or whatever. But like we hear this a lot from that time. Can we go back in a time machine and say, stop doing that? Yeah. Stop. To, lots, of, lots of y'all going to go missing. Yeah. And we're going to not be able to look for you for a while because we think you're at your friend's house. Yeah. We need a time machine for several things in these episodes. That will be so fun. Uh, well, not just fun, practical. I think we could save lives. But do you remember what happened in Back to the Future 2 when they created an alternate 1985? Uh, Yes. It was like everything had gone bad. Okay. What? <laughs> Well, yeah. the, he changed one little thing. He went back and got him that book so that he could bet on all the things. Yeah, 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 and then yeah, yeah, it created yeah. a separate 1985. So yeah. we could alter the state of the universe, but it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it to save people. I agree. People. We have to save lives, Ellen. Yeah. Get thee to the DeLorean. So <laughs> the cops, knowing that she has a propensity for disappearing for days on end with a friend, they say they begin the arduous task of tracking down her friends. This is the 15th time they said that. Yeah. She went missing the first day they tracked down her friends. She wasn't at the Dos Rios's. They tracked down her friends. Now they're tracking down the friends. How many friends you got, Dennis? Yeah, how many people are in Laramie, Wyoming? I know lots. There's a university there. My friend Jim Osborne lives there. Okay, I'm not. I don't. Okay. I don't have follow up questions because yeah. I don't care. But Jim Osborne is a great guy. He's a gay man living with his husband and adopted daughter. He was Matthew's friend. He's keeping Matthew Shepard's memory alive in Laramie to this day. Okay. Well, now I feel like a monster. <laughs> Thank you for that. More of a monster than yeah. I feel every day. Happy Pride. But we are recording this on Pride Day as you are denigrating the memory of Matthew Shepard. <laughs> denigrating. On Pride, it's Pride Day in New York City, you guys. What I love is that you never put words in my mouth. No. It's great. It's great. <laughs> So now that everyone is questioning and speculating as to her sobriety, maybe she was back on drugs. You yeah. know, everyone is kind of, you know, throwing out these, you know, possibilities of things that happen. The Rioses are here. The, Daniel and Gloria. <laughs> them. I know. Mrs. Rios is telling us that there actually was a guy that came in a lot. And they, like Mrs. Rios is basically like, I think he wanted to be more than friends and she wasn't that into it. Maybe you should look into that guy. Yeah. And they were like, he left a really large tip. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, it can't be that bad then. I have, these are the Dos Rioses. It's people, not rivers. <laughs> but after questioning Dos Rios employees, investigators learn an intriguing piece of information about Danis's relationship with her boyfriend, Victor. Danis had plans to leave Victor the night she disappeared. I know Victor was very jealous. He was very controlling. Danis would come to our house just to hang out, watch movies. Victor would call her cell phone. She'd say, I'm at Carrie's house. Then he'd call our house phone just to make sure she wasn't lying. We find out that Danis had plans to leave Victor that night. That The night night she vanished, she was planning on leaving him. Right. And we learned this from best friend Carrie. And Carrie didn't have nice things to say about him. (laughs) She said he was controlling and overprotective. Like, this controlling behavior is so fucking crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just got those, I mean, it's those red flags. And, like, sometimes I feel like it can come off as, like, cute. Oh. You know what I mean? Not to me, sis. No, no, no. But when someone's, like, overprotective, like, you're, at the end of the day, overprotective about me. Yeah, remember the time I said, if you don't text me back in five minutes, I'm calling the police. I'm not kidding. I actually will put it in the group. He said that. That is not a joke. (laughs) 
But like, you know, like, so. Ellen was wandering drunk around Times Square and not responding to my text messages. The hyperbole with which you speak. I had a drink and I was walking uptown. You make it sound like I was stumbling in the middle of Times Square, like doing a soft shoe for pocket change. That's not what happened. I And I also did text, and then I didn't get a response in 10 seconds. I'm like, I will call the cops! Yes, yeah. It went from zero to cops. Yeah. <laughs> in 10 seconds. But I mean that sometimes when people exhibit slightly overprotective behavior, someone can feel taken care of. Oh, he cares. Oh, yeah. that's sweet. Let's, can and we not normalize controlling behavior? I'm not. Let me finish my <laughs> sentence. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But then when you pull the scope back yeah. and realize that it is really controlling and manipulating then that's when it gets really scary. And it did. They had a lot of domestic disturbance calls, these two. And it yeah. just, there was hair pulling. There was hitting. Now we I mean, all- the sheriff tells us straight up you would see them and they would look happy. And then the next night you would see them. And Dennis was wearing sunglasses to cover the bruise. I mean, yeah. it's literally out of Goodbye Earl. I have a question at the end of this. Papa Rod said that he went to the police to try and get an order of protection for her. Yeah. But they essentially were like, listen, she's an adult. If she needs help, she's got to come and ask for it. You can't get a restraining order or any kind of order of protection. And is that weird? No. No. I mean, should people not abuse people? Yes. But then if, like, it could be, like, what if the dad just didn't like him? You know, he was a a fine guy and the dad's like, you know what, I'm going to do to fuck this up. I'm going to get a restraint. And then all of a sudden, the boyfriend that is nice, that she loves, can't be within 250 feet of her. Yeah, I guess you're right. I just, when you see somebody who's not seeing the abuse, maybe she wasn't seeing the abuse or she was being manipulated and she was in the center of it. She couldn't step back and see how bad it was. And she's but... making excuses as a lot of abused people do, saying yeah. he's going to get better, I'm going to get him off the drugs, and he's going to be fine. She probably really loved him. I mean, like, these are the patterns that yeah. have to be broken, yeah. you know? So here is where we meet the first dick shit of yeah. the episode, maybe the biggest one. His name is Sheriff Desi Medina. He was the We sheriff... don't meet him. We just see a yeah, picture yeah, of him. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. We see this really creepy, yeah. it is a creep <laughs> magnet picture if yeah. I ever saw one. And he is the sheriff on the investigation, and there's a big history there. But they have heard a rumor about a previous association between Sheriff Desi Medina and the Braun family, which could possibly explain the delays in the investigation. District Attorney Investigator Sean Woods believes Sheriff Medina's past connection is influencing the investigation. All along our investigation, there were inferences of Sheriff Desi Medina being friends with Vern Braun and having personal dealings, business dealings, that kind of thing together. So they're saying that, like, we think that the sheriff was hiding stuff or sweeping things under the rugs because he didn't want to get his friends in trouble. But then we meet the prosecutor who's like, well... Ah, uh, he's a down bitch. Yeah, Sean but Woods. he tells us that the sheriff actually removed himself from any involvement with the case so that there would be no perceived favoritism towards Victor's family. Right, but the small little hiccup there is that he kind of didn't put the pedal to the metal at the beginning yes. of the investigation before Correct. he pulled out. So he actually went as far to say that he didn't believe that anything happened. Uh-huh. And then he was like, cool, I'll step away. But that was like days into the investigation. And I'm not like defending this guy, but like trying to look at it from like the investigator's perspective, there isn't any evidence. You know what I mean? Like sure. we actually don't really have much evidence. Then the cops get a tip from Victor's dad's girlfriend. <laughs> it was January 18th of 2002. That's when Vern Braun supposedly had called Tracy Williams and stated to Tracy, Tracy, Victor makes me sick. He hit Dennis in the throat and killed her. 
and now we have to leave and get rid of some evidence. This is the thing that made me crazy. When the cops interview this woman, Tracy Williams, she tells them that Victor's dad called her and said, Tracy, Victor makes me sick. Yeah. He punched Dennis in the neck and killed her, and now we gotta go get rid of some evidence. Not, I gotta go call the cops because my kid killed his girlfriend. Yeah. He makes me sick, but I gotta help him cover up the murder? Yeah. And Sheriff Brian Norton, the county sheriff, says supposedly, I'm not gonna stop on that. You We're gonna supposedly. Oh, he oh, says, I've... he says supposedly. <laughs> I know. I totally I'm gonna it. skip over it because he's thought a dumb bitch. You were saying it. No, no, no. He says supposedly, I and I was like, I'm not pulling at that thread. I, I love you. You're a dumb bitch, but I gotta say it. You I know, know what I mean? He also so, has a hat that he loves. He's got that like five ten gallon hat, whatever that like sheriffy boy hat. Yeah, he, it looks good on him. He also talks without moving his mouth. I know. How does he do that? I, his face is also real red. He's a good looking guy, he but like is a good looking the powder guy. goes a long way. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like they leave the makeup and hair people at home when they go yeah. on these shoots. Well, they don't have the money. No. <laughs> it's either it's either the talking heads or they get lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's either yeah. lunch or makeup, and totally. they go with they go with Panera. Every also, day. I could see Brian Norton being like, "Yeah, not not gonna wear your makeup, girl. Yeah, no, I'm not putting the, this this Colorado, okay? <laughs> and I'm not I'm not wearing your makeup. But what do you think this is a drag bar? <laughs> oh. <laughs> do you believe my now, Cher? Okay. <laughs> so I told you that's my secret that I like Cher songs. Investigators immediately summon Victor and Vern to the sheriff's office for questioning. They are separated and then confronted with Tracy Williams' accusations. Vern was being questioned in regards to what he knew of the incident. Both Vern and Victor deny having anything to do with Dennis's disappearance. But when asked where they went the night Tracy said they'd left town to dispose of evidence, they give conflicting accounts of their whereabouts. So they bring him in and they put them in separate rooms. And of course they deny, they deny, they deny. So they start with the basics. Yeah. Name, age, where were you that night? Boom. They give two <laughs> conflicting <laughs> stories. Listen, you know I love a stupid criminal. Yeah, but yeah. definitely, let me just ask, did you guys not even just talk about that one little thing? Like right before you went, you're like, wait, where are we going to say we were? Real quickly. Say, say one, yeah. two, three, Perkins. And then the other guy's Denny's. like, the gym. Yeah. They're like, one, two, three, Denny's. Perkins. Okay, no. ready? One, two, three, Denny's. Gym. What? And like they did, not, they did not get their story straight. And then basically. And as they're being separated down the hall. Okay, so Denny's? Yeah. And in, in my mind, they're like, you know what? Just wing it. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Just have fun with it. <laughs> I was thinking we need just have fun with it merch. Yeah, we just totally have fun. you know what? It's fine. Just have fun with it. We'll figure out something. So, like question one, boom, yeah. they bomb. So now they're asking all these tough and hard hitting questions, and then Vern asks to go have a cigarette, and then Victor is in his interrogation, and he asks his interrogator, he's like, "Oh, uh, mind if I hop outside and have a cigarette?" They let both of the douchebags have a cigarette at the same fucking time. They're both outside yeah. smoking. Like, coordinating their stories, but the way I understood the story is that this happens, the cops are standing inside yeah. looking out a window going, oh no. Oh yeah. They're probably coordinating their stories. Should we break it up, girl? They're like, it's fine. Uh... They're not that stupid. They're like, smell the... <laughs> Did you say Denny's? Yeah. <laughs> no, I said Perkins. I thought we were supposed to say Denny's Perkins. All right, let's just both go back in there and say the gym. <laughs> and so they basically like, oh shitting each other. But and they're like, one, two, three, break. Right. And they go back in. They go back in. And so now Victor, Dennis's boyfriend, has a story for yeah. why he got it wrong. And this is the best. He's like, you know what? Hold on. Let yeah. me, one second. Let me t I'm gonna be real with y'all. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna be real. 
Here, here's what happened. Yeah. I lied before. Yeah. Okay? I did. I'm sorry I lied. I realize it's going to be hard to move forward with you trusting me and all, but I'm telling you the God's honest. You guys, if you can see what she's doing with her hands and her face, it is genius. Uh, he's like, all right. I'm going to tell you now, the God's honest. Now I'm going to tell you the God's honest, right? My word is strong as oak. The point is that what the insinuation here is, is where were you the night that she vanished? Because we think that you disposed of her body. Right. Where did you go? And Victor is back in there saying, I lied to you because I wasn't disposing her body, yeah. but I did cross state lines and that breaks my parole. Yeah. To which I say, could you arrest him for that? Yeah. yeah. It, it seems like it doesn't even cross their minds. <laughs> no. It seems like they're like, oh. Be- Oh, well, the lion is bad. We're going to let the parole violation slide. You guys think he did this? Just arrest him. No, but then the cops are like, ah, well, we got nothing. <laughs> now that he's being truthful, now we got nothing. He wasn't there. He said he was lying before. He's not lying now. Well, there goes that. They yeah, just, just, like, <laughs> close up their computers. And they just... God, that was so funny. I'm like, I need a break. Can we take five? So... You're, you're literally the boss. <laughs> so, actually, the bronze agreed to let them search the house. They're like, you know yeah. what? I did that lion thing, so go yeah. ahead. Search my house. Totally. It's been two weeks since Dennis has disappeared, and this is the first time investigators have been to the place where she was last seen. The investigators found her cell phone, her purse, her jacket. Nothing was taken that showed that she was leaving for any length of time. I think the temperatures uh, that night were below freezing, and she didn't even take a jacket. So that was things that really didn't add up that she was planning on leaving. So the fact that that stuff is there is very suspicious. They're like, it was zero degrees out the night that she vanished. Like, she would have at least taken her coat. Yes, just a little bit. So just when we think we can't get crazy enough. Yeah. We're not in Florida, which is weird. Wow, Florida gets a week off. Yeah, Florida, take a break. Yeah. So they bring out, like, the cops really believe that Victor and his dad killed her, and they know where the body is. They bring out the ATVs and the cadaver dogs, and they're, like, we see them searching the mountain, and they've got this ton of land around their ranch. They're searching. They find nothing. And the dad is like, I wanted to fucking kill somebody, but then I'd have been the only one to go to jail. Yeah, yeah. I can understand. I would be on that jury. I would be like, he's fine. He's fine. It's not a big deal. So remember that sort of crooked sheriff, Desi Medina, that stepped away because he was really close friends with the disgusting Braun family. You guys, Desi Medina brings the Florida shit right to Colorado. Get ready for this story. Yeah. Then, just when it appears this troubled case can't get any worse, Sheriff Desi Medina, who is supervising the case, makes a shocking declaration in front of a panel of county commissioners. Without citing a source, Sheriff Medina gives a lurid account of Dennis's murder. He recounts in graphic detail how Victor killed Dennis and disposed of her body. People in the room are stunned and mystified as to how Sheriff Medina knows this information. I don't understand this story. Wait, look, wait, look what I wrote. I literally wrote, this is confusing. Patrick always says we only need to know 50% of the story because yeah. one of us will always know it. Totally. And I took all these notes. I don't know what it means. I don't understand what happened either. 
either. Okay. So- we learn that this guy, Desi Medina, the sheriff, is at some sort of like panel of the county of commissioners. So they're in some like official meeting with the county commissioners. Anybody know what the county commissioners do? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. He's like in the middle of the meeting giving graphic detail of how Victor killed her and disposed of the body. What? Was that so he couldn't be called as a witness? I really have no idea because I'm like, if the fucking sheriff knows what happened, yeah. how is that not case closed? Yeah. How is that not case? Like, you go arrest the guy because the sheriff knows you did it. Right. So now the whole family is like, you're all crooked. You know something. You're talking about it in a public. I think because he said it publicly, he can't testify in court or something. Did you side coop that? No. Okay. <laughs> No, I've But been, you know what? You've been to court so many times, I've been to I court guess. so many times, and I've been doing know. a true crime podcast for yeah. a year, uh-huh. which is basically a law degree. Totally. So, but, like, this whole thing makes no sense. I'm like, we know what happened, but we can't prove it? Like, yeah. what? Yeah. So then Dennis's family is not trusting anyone, and they're like, you know what? We're going to just go to Colorado. No, not we're, just her sister. Oh. We are told before the commercial break, Christopher tells us, Sister Julie takes the law into her own hands. Yeah, and she's <laughs> like, I'm going to go swing by those guys. I think killed my sister. Yeah. I'm going to go ask him a couple questions. Totally BRB. <laughs> Dennis's sister arranges to meet Victor Braun for brunch at a coffee shop just outside of town. He was a nervous wreck and he didn't express any kind of empathy for our family um, considering he just spent Christmas with us. He just told me that she had left with friends and that she had probably taken off with another guy that he didn't really know. Same story, sticking to it. Went out with some friends, wouldn't tell me where she was going. She probably just took off with some guy. Yeah. She's got two kids. It's always the woman's fault. Yeah, oh, yeah. She, she would probably just, you know, you know, that slutty, yeah. that slutty behavior. She yeah. was just being a slut, slut factory, slut source <laughs> Rex. I don't know, she probably went off with some guy. You know, she's a slut. Yeah. I tell you, she was a slut. I don't know if you heard that story about that Tara Grinstead yeah. in Florida. She got a PhD in slut, that one. <laughs> just like completely, yeah, she probably I went know. off with some guy, just completely bouncing. And so Sister Julie's like, well, that got nowhere. <laughs> right. But and, she's saying that, like, I left that brunch being like, we'll be lucky if we ever find out what happens. And then also, and then she tells us, basically everyone in town is sort of scared of the Braun family. Like, yeah. they've got their hands in everything. They have criminal backgrounds. He was on probation, and, like, nobody is coming. It's one of those, like, underground, like, you just don't say anything against the big guy. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the tie was, but she's like, no one would open their mouth about about their true goings on. Oh, it's so fucking terrifying. And then all of a sudden, it's just like years start passing. Like they build a website. Then January 20th, I'm like, they build a website. I took that note because I'm like, oh, early 2000s. That was like hard to do back then, you know? And then January 9th, 2003, it's been a full year. The dad has a candlelight vigil for her. I actually love this moment. That night at the vigil, Brian Norton went up to Papa Rod and said, if I am elected sheriff, I am going to find her. Yeah, and And it was like, it's just really sweet it and is like really, endearing. Yeah. And the family like loves this sheriff. Yeah. He really and he wins. It's like three weeks later is the election and he wins. When Sheriff Norton takes over the case, he and investigator Woods implement a plan to keep close tabs on Victor in the hopes that he will lead them to Dennis's whereabouts. But before they can put their strategy in place, there's another setback. Victor leaves town and moves to Kansas placing him out of the sheriff's jurisdiction. They're like, we're just going to fucking follow this guy, make his life hell until he admits it. But then Victor hightails it out of town. Small hiccup. He moves to Kansas. (laughs) 
<laughs> and the, the sheriff goes, well, that was a hurdle in the investigation. Yeah. <laughs> but so, then they do this thing, you guys. I have to beg you not to do this. Yeah. We talk about this on TCO all the time. They do a balloon release, yeah. 736 helium balloons to commemorate the days that Danis has been missing. And just stop doing that. Yeah, I don't know. It's if, so bad for the environment. <laughs> I don't know if ruining the environment is the solution, but I am here <laughs> for the family. I know. I know. And then when they actually, we see them release the balloons, I'm like, oh, it doesn't look like 736. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That was it. And some bird's like, what's that fuck? <laughs> Girl, now it's winter 2007. This is four fucking years later. Good news, though. Yeah, good news. Well, good and bad. Bad news and good news. Victor's back in town. Bad news, good news. He's got a real serious drug problem. Yeah. This guy is a wreck. Yeah. Like, this guy, Victor, is a fucking wreck. I wonder if he did something that's been on his conscience for the last couple of years. Yeah, and then maybe drugs would cover up the pain of that. We'll see. Yeah, well, Let's I get guess the, we'll up find- in the episode. <laughs> so the sheriff's department starts following Victor and tracking him, and about a year later, they get him on a host of, like, minor charges, like driving without a license, drug possession. I'm like, good. Like, yeah. Get him on whatever you fucking can to get him in your chair again. Me because too. he really, really fooled you the last time. That's on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Denny's. I was like, are these minor? I like driving without a license. But I mean, I get that it's, I mean, not, it's murder. not murder. I mean, it's not murder. You know, <laughs> right. so. Possession of drugs, that's minor? I mean, it's not murder, but okay. you know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. yeah. Again, you have so much experience with the court and legal system that I'm lacking. Mm-hmm. So I understand why you know more than I do. The sheriff's department still does not have enough solid evidence against Victor to leverage any kind of plea bargain. But their fortune changes in April of that year when Victor is caught on tape on a burglary spree that includes seven stores in the Monte Vista area. But then they catch him. You guys, this guy is so fucking stupid. Oh my God. They got him on these quote minor charges, but then they bust him and we see it. We see the surveillance video of him on tape, like doing a burglary spree. Yeah, he looks like he's in like a Payless shoe source. And I'm, listen, I love a bargain. I don't care, but what what are you stealing, dude? $20 shoes? I know. And the thing is, we see his mugshot from this arrest. This guy, he looks like Christian Bale in The Machinist. Yeah. so gaunt. gaunt. Yeah. He looked like he hasn't eaten in a year. Yeah. You know? So they throw him in jail for all these other crimes not related to Dennis, yeah. and they're just happy to have him in possession. So fall of 2008, he's been in jail for all of those other crimes for a year, and they get their first offer. Yeah. The sheriff's first offer is for Victor to plead guilty to first-degree manslaughter with a potential prison sentence of 6 to 12 years. His attorney said no, he wouldn't go with that and rejected his client signature. A few weeks pass, and Victor's lawyer makes a counteroffer. He stipulates that Victor will agree to provide information leading to Dennis only if he serves no more than six years in jail. So what happens is he's willing to discuss a plea agreement, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, fine, we'll give you manslaughter, six or 12 years for fucking murder. Mm-hmm. And Victor's attorney says, no, Victor would like to only serve six years maximum Because it's jail. yucky in there, and the showers are cold, and the food upsets his belly. <laughs> and so they take that to Danis's family, and the dad is like, absolutely not. You're not going to serve less time in jail than I've been searching for my goddamn daughter. Yeah, Papa Rod was like the fuck you say? <laughs> he literally six years? <laughs> I think he literally said something like That ain't gonna happen. He could rot in hell for all I care. I no. Don't take that one. I'm not gonna accept anything that's gonna give him less time in prison than I have been waiting for my daughter to be found. 
also like if he's willing to we like I don't understand if he's acknowledging that he knows what happened to her and where she is. Yeah. Can't they just arrest him for admitting to the fucking murder? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I don't know. So months pass and they're going back and forth and they're basically like, Are you are you gonna admit it? What yeah. are we gonna do? Are we gonna go? So finally, April two thousand and nine, he agrees to lead them to Dennis's body in exchange for now reckless manslaughter. Right, which carries a sentence of six to twelve years at the judge's discretion. Right. So like this was the original plea agreement that the prosecutors offered him in the first place. Right. And all of the drug and the burglary charges would be expunged. No burger no burglary. I can't even say how Did you I said say it. Burglary? <laughs> Jennifer <laughs> Drug and the burglary charges would be expunged. Absolutely no burglary charges whatsoever. (laughs) I'm not going down for burglary. (laughs) On the very day Victor signs his plea bargain agreement, he begins to provide Sheriff Norton with answers to the questions which have evaded investigators for seven and a half years. The closest that we ever come to a confession was that he said that it was an accidental death. Uh, He believed it to be a drug overdose and that she quit breathing and that he disposed of her body uh, because he was scared that because of his criminal record, the Department of Social Services would go ahead and take his daughter away from him. He's saying that this girl, this woman who'd been through rehab and was clean and sober, yeah. he's saying that she OD'd, like she was so heavily back into yeah. drugs that she OD'd and he panicked and like had to dispose of the body. He fucking killed her. Yeah. Even the sheriff knows and he's telling all the county clerks. Yeah. And I mean, and basically he says, we hear his voice, he says, look for a big 55-gallon drum. It's blue. It's been welded and taped at the bottom. Yeah. And I dropped it at the bottom of a lake in Arizona. Can you answer uh, what type of container? Is it plastic, metal, wood? It's five-gallon drum. It's blue. So then it's going to show a weld in the oh, yeah. middle, top, bottom. Top points. And then he's like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. I don't remember what the lake was called. Can, can you? Guys, here's a favor I'm going to ask. If you're going to dispose of a body in a lake, could you just remember what fucking lake it was? So when you eventually get fucking caught because you're a moron and you're going to give the family some fucking closure, how do you not yeah. remember the name of the lake where you, you dumped a body? Yeah. And he's like, well, I remember I had to get a ticket to go in, you know. And basically there was like a guard shack yeah. in order to get. So then they narrow down how many, you know, big lakes are in Arizona know where he was which one has a guard shack and they come to realize that it's layman lake in arizona and they go there may 2009 they go there you know fbi is all involved they've got sonar the visibility is terrible if they can only see about a foot they do a deep dive and they have the sonar but they don't find anything and eventually the fbi is like girl we gotta call this off like we don't know if we can trust him we can't see anything anyway and this sheriff i fucking love this guy he's like i made a promise to this family I'd go dive the lake myself if I had to Mm -hmm. and he just he has a very personal relationship with this case and he just he basically stuck to his word so he's like listen we don't have the FBI on our side anymore but I can definitely make some calls so he reaches out to a bunch of dive team experts and he finally gets one in Utah that's like takes it on they're like yeah Yeah. let's go back down to this lake and find this woman and we see the video I know which I never like I have that thing of like that fear of seeing like the deep underwater shit it scares the shit out of me every time so they use the sonar no sympathy on that no no (laughs) you know what you signed up for you run an entire network dedicated to true crime Uh grow up okay (laughs) I just 
admitted to I, something. I was vulnerable in your presence, and that's... You haven't been vulnerable since 96. <laughs> With only one foot of visibility, on their first attempt, the Utah dive team retrieves a blue oil barrel. It's a blue barrel. Just like the one Victor Braun said he'd used to conceal Dennis's remains. There's a hole right here. It's blue. It was welded. It's got the tape on it. So they pull the barrel out of the lake. And like, you guys, they're convinced this is the barrel. And they are starting to unscrew the top. And yeah. there's going to be human remains. I'm like, are they going to do this here? Yeah. I thought Christopher would give me some warning. Yeah. And thank God they don't. But they eventually like open it. They get the remains out. It's a DNA match to Danis. And they found her. And so Victor Braun receives the maximum sentence in his plea bargain. Thank fucking God. Thank fucking which God. is 12 years. November 13th, 2009. They hold a memorial. And he still to this day does not admit to killing Dennis, so that part of the case is still open. However, they can't conclusively determine the cause of her death, but the toxicology report did conclude that she had no drugs in her yeah. system. So it wasn't a fucking OD, Victor, you monster. Yeah. I just want to remind everyone that domestic abuse accounts for 15% of all violent crimes and that everyone's relationship is private and complex, but if you ever find yourself in an abusive relationship or need help with any kind of domestic abuse, please know that there is help out there. It is safe. It is secure. It is private. You can call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Say something funny. Two times your relationships ended in court. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. You guys, come see us at Zany's August 4th. Uh, August 4th. Uh, oh, see, that's instant karma. That's instant <laughs> and immediate karma. You can't even speak. The 7 p.m. is home. sold out. The 9.15 still has some tickets available. Uh, it's happening during Podcast Movement. So if you happen to be in Nashville for Podcast Movement, come and see us. I'm so excited. Are you? I'm so excited. <laughs> also, join us on the Patreon. Every month you get three full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. There's over 20 full episodes to download right now. Those episodes are so funny. You guys, meet the Lake Bottom. The Lake Bottom is from the Mike Williams case, but we have lots of other things there, too. I'm so sorry, you guys. Unclear as if I will show up at the live show with Patricia or someone else at this point. Also, follow us on socials. We love engaging with you. We're at the Disappeared Pod on Instagram. I'm at Ellen Marsh. Patrick is at Patrick Hines underscore. We have a great Facebook group that we love called the Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. People are in there all the time. We love laughing with you. We love engaging with you. We love you so much. Lots of active bottoms in there, girl. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> we love, love you guys. You. Bye. Bye. So, you guys, it's a Sunday. Uh, We're recording on a Sunday. I love it's going to be a little off the wall. I, I don't mind being coupled. You're just, I don't want to live with you. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to live with you. I don't want to see your hairy body. I don't want to feel your toenails. I, I stand you by it all. they're not all hairy. Man hair feels different than girl hair. I'm saying not all men are hairy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You've met the lake bottom. <laughs> We're going to see him later in this episode, I think. Oh, oh. dark. Marsh, dark. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. Do you know my first waitering job was at a Mexican food restaurant called The Cantina? Oh, I like that. Yeah, and I dated um, the line cook called Luis. 
that does, none of this surprises yeah. me. He was How did it end? In jail? Of court? No, he was very cute. Okay, great. But nobody went to jail. <laughs> nobody went to jail wow. or court. Okay, whoa. We just parted ways amicably. <laughs> he stayed a line cook, a very hot line cook, I might add. Like, really hot. Yeah. Get it? It's hot in the kitchen. Okay, uh, moving on. Called, um... Oh, my God. I can't remember what the book was called. <laughs> I wrote this book. Uh, it's called... Oh, the, okay, I got it, I got it. Oh, the, my gosh. The book was... Some whale is like... The, oh, <laughs> Poor thing. We have to cut all of that. We cannot, I cannot do a choking, dying whale impression. <laughs> what about the bird? We could keep the bird. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that night, Brian Norton was up to be elect, elected sheriff. Yes, sheriff but not that night. It was like a couple weeks later. No, but he said, yeah, no. Can I finish my sentence? Please, can you? That, can can you get through it without asking me the words? Barely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you did this podcast with me. 